Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the film The Father. So Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for this film? Yes. A man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. Oh man, even just the premise alone is a gut punch. Yeah. All three of those things? It's a lot. The fabric of his reality and his loved ones. And his mind. Man, it's a lot of things. It is. Poor guy. Okay, so let's start off with our one-sentence summaries in Strategic Whimsy Experiment tradition. Mine is, <laughs> mine is getting old sucks. <laughs> Straightforward and to <laughs> the point. I love it. Uh, I think it's definitely Very our hard. shortest summary that we've had. It's a tie with uh, your summary from for the Irishman, which I I still remember oh, so distinctly. Yes, As she is back. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, All right. What's yours? So I wrote one that the one that the thing that just like immediately came to mind, and then I wrote another one that like only you would appreciate. So here goes it. The the one that I originally wrote was an illuminating empathy machine for the experience of aging. And the one that I wrote for you was the movie that actually deserved the title, The Little Things Over the One Starring (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's true. Right? Oh, my gosh. You can go over this one with a fine-tooth comb. It's glorious. I know. All right. So let's uh, start off with initial thoughts of this film, and then we'll include our spoiler um, alert before we really dive into the rest of the movie so what were your thoughts about this film yeah this this movie is really beautiful and I didn't expect that like I I knew that it was about you know Olivia Coleman caring for a aging and you know dementia riddled Anthony Hopkins. And so I really expected it to be like very, very depressing and very heavy. And it's not that at all. You know, it's, it's disorienting and it's intriguing, but there's also moments of like beauty and levity. The cinematography is wonderful. The composition of every single shot is gorgeous. The set design is absolutely stunning. And like, Jen, like you said, like, there's so many little details throughout that it's just, it's a feast for the eyes and there's so much to take in and pay attention to. You know, the performances are phenomenal and it's, it's so heartfelt and there's so much emotion to it. And the ending is, oh my gosh, Empathy Machine is right. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just, it does so many things so well. And it's just, it's a beautiful film to watch. And I really, really wasn't expecting that given the subject matter. Yeah, I, 
I'm so impressed at the way that this film handles uh, such an emotional topic, especially for people that have loved ones that have um, walked through this experience and they've walked with them through it. This film does a lot of what I talked so much about in our last episode with Sound of Metal of avoiding the traps of melodrama. And it somehow is so weighty and emotional without all of those emotions being spilt over on the surface, which makes them more powerful because we as the viewers can feel so much of what the characters are feeling without the film having to give us that like volume 150 level of emotion. And so the the amount of restraint and nuance and subtlety of this film is one that I was not expecting at all, especially with the the premise and you know the very little that I knew about this film. I expected it to be this dramatic unfolding and this film isn't that at all. It this film really just invites you to walk in another shoes for an hour and 37 minutes, a very efficient hour and 37 minutes. Um, And not just Anthony Hopkins character, but all of the other people in his life and his family and his loved ones, we are able to experience their, their experiences just as much as his as well. Um, And this film does that so efficiently and it's, it's quite impressive. Yes, I loved that it was only an hour and 37 minutes. <laughs> I was surprised. We don't get movies that no. are on the shorter side these days. No, we don't. And I, uh, it just, I don't know, it just felt like such a relief to me that it was only an hour and 37 minutes. Because, <laughs> like, I just couldn't imagine being in this mm-hmm. this world for, you know, two, two and a half hours, like, no. And they used, like you said, it was so efficient. They used their time so well. And they focused on the the right characters for the right amount of time. It Just everything felt right about it. Yes, I, I completely agree. I did have a thought after thinking about this movie a little bit more, um, which is that I think I'm going to appreciate this film a lot more the second time around. I think because this film was so effective at being disorienting and unsettling and I found myself uh, a little bit distracted sometimes by cognitively trying to figure out what was going on um, as I walked through this movie that some of the um, subtleties of those emotional moments and the the reactions of Olivia Coleman and other characters I think will be more effective and I can sit with them far more uh, the second time around than the first time around. The first time around, I too, like Anthony Hopkins, was trying to figure out where the heck am I? Um, what year is it? What day is it? And I think this this movie will get better with more and more viewings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. This I I was trying to figure it out and I was trying to make sense of everything, which is, you know, a, a futile task given this type of film. But yeah, I was trying to make sure that everything was like neat and orderly, which you just can't do in this. But this film definitely will reward multiple viewings. Yeah, I need to watch this one again, I think. 
Yeah, and it's an interesting um, combination of effects that this movie has. Um, I don't know if it's, I can call it a criticism, but I, I definitely feel like some of the emotional weight of this film um, perhaps has just not come to fruition until I watch it more and more times because I was distracted um, trying to, to figure it out, um, especially in that middle section. Um, I think there's a point in the movie where I just was like, well, I think I just need to be along for this ride and not try and like solve this mystery going on around me. Um, so that was a little bit distracting for me in the first uh, chunk of the film because I was uh, trying to to decode it all. Um, and as you mentioned, it, it is indeed a futile task. So um, perhaps this is just a film that will get riper as um, the, the viewer gets more time with it. Uh, but the first time around definitely was a little bit distracting, which is, I think, part of the goal too. So it was effective at making me feel disoriented. Um, but there's that cognitive dissonance there, trying to figure it out too. And I wonder if that's kind of part of it is for you to go on that that journey, maybe almost with Anthony Hopkins' character of, yep. you know, trying to like figure it out and piece it all together. But then you reach a point where you just go, well, to hell with it. I, we're just yeah. going to go with this now. So I almost wonder if it's a way of getting us into uh, his mind even deeper. Yeah, that's so true. Um, maybe we include our spoiler alert because I want to talk about a detail related to your comment, um, that potentially, I mean, might give a little bit away. So if you haven't seen the father yet, we highly recommend checking it out. And it's one that is worth going into with a totally white canvas and without a lot of, um, understanding or knowledge of how it ends. So to your to your point, I think one of the interesting thing that this film does is we are um, more and more disoriented as the film goes on. The confusion levels, the frustration of trying to figure it out along with Anthony Hopkins' character, um, that volume is being turned up as the film progresses, which is likely mirroring um, this character's, you know, increased um, dementia symptoms that he's experiencing. And the film never really lets up. It really just keeps that gas, the foot on the gas, slowly but surely um, ramping that up more and more. And there's there isn't really a moment for us to breathe or um, or catch our breath at all, which I thought was very effective from a pacing perspective. Um, typically films have more of this like rhythm to them of sequences and, um, transitions and moments for us to kind of catch our breath as we move on to the next chunk of the movie. And this film is really like a slow and steady crescendo to the ending scene. And that was very smart of it to do. I thought that worked really well. Yeah, and it's it's amazing how even within that though, there are the different kind of tonal shifts and you mm -hmm. you don't feel like it's it's too much because there's so much variation within it. So like even um when we're 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 seeing basically like the same day in like 
multiple ways or like multiple viewpoints of the same day or it's out of sequence with each other. That was just so fascinating the way that those little things unfolded. And because it was so odd and unusual, at least for me, like I wanted to keep watching to learn more like the the disorientation made me like lean in instead of completely checking out. So I didn't care that like it just kept going you know, more and more intense um, because I wanted to figure out what the heck was going on. So I think even though, you know, it, it we never really had a chance to breathe, um, I don't think that we necessarily needed one because there yeah. was so much interest in what's going on. I didn't need to take a break. And I think it would have um, felt constructed had we been given that break as well right? Like part of this is we are in his shoes, walking through this with him. Um, and it, it kind of takes us out of that, that POV and that, that empathy that has already been gaining momentum for us to have that break. I think what was also really smart from just a screenwriting perspective or, or the original play that was written, um, is the way that they use these objects and and kind of themes as anchors for us as well so the details are getting mixed up but we have these anchors there's the chicken there's the watch there's a painting there's these like little snippets of conversation that kind of repeat themselves as well and so we are like almost spinning around these um pillars and they are fixed but the details surrounding them are always different or out of context or slightly um, revised, which was really smart. Again, one of those like strategic decisions that um, was really great. And it's just so fascinating that it's not the people who are the anchors, but it's these other things that are the anchors. You know, like I, I just think that that's so fascinating, and that actually happens. You know. I am so fascinated by how our brains work and assign so much meaning to certain things. Um, and we just see that here. You know, he valued his watch so, so much. Um, and then he would just forget other things. He wouldn't realize who people were, but he knew where he wanted his watch and he needed it all the time. <laughs> so that was just such an interesting choice. And I feel like it, it, it shows also so much about who, you know, Anthony Hopkins character was and also what this disease was doing to him as he grew increasingly paranoid and um, increasingly sure that people were just out to get him and out to get his watch. <laughs> yeah, that, that motif um, is the source of so many like light moments as well. That's another thing that I was, I was, um, impressed by, and I think you alluded to this in uh, your initial thoughts that you shared about this film, is that it there there's moments of levity and there's moments of humor. It's not funny, um, but there are moments where he, Anthony Hopkins' character is incredibly endearing or incredibly sweet in a really uh, light-hearted way, and that I think helps keep this this movie 
feeling like there's dimensions and feeling like there it's, it's continuing to move forward and it doesn't really stay in one tone for too long. And and even those tonal shifts were disorienting. He goes from, you know, like offering a drink to being kind of aggressive or frustrated or paranoid. And those mood switches uh, really kept us on our toes as well. And Olivia Coleman's character on her toes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I that just built so much empathy for me, you know, for her just having to to weather all of these blows from her dad and she never knows which you know side of him she's going to see and it can change on a dime like it just makes so much sense you know her whole demeanor and this whole like man I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders look that she has it makes complete sense after you spent some time with him and Ooh, I, I think it's just so impressive that Olivia Coleman was able to communicate all of that just with her physical presence, not even having to say any of those things that she was carrying. We just know from spending time with her. So her performance in this is stellar. She did a great job at that. Yes, all of those little gestures, facial expressions, like the subtleness of that one muscle on her face that will just flinch a little bit when, but she still has that smile plastered on her face. Like all of that is so good. That's something that I, I think the second time around just have more, more cognitive uh, bandwidth to, to really look for those things because they, they convey so much, but to be able to notice all those little details will be a treat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's also really interesting too is that um, when in the moments where Anthony Hopkins' character is lighthearted and charismatic, you see that uh, that like little moment of, of joy um, on her face, which I think points to um, kind of the the man that he may have been in his um, better years, and that little glimmer of like, oh yeah, like like this is my dad. Um, you know, I am specifically thinking about the scene where he's um, offering the drink and he's like full of life and and full of uh, of joy and energy. And it just feels like this little nod to the man that he likely was for or the, the moments that she um, remembers about him and treasures about him. And to see that quickly shift is tragic for her, but tragic for us as the viewers as well. Like we love that version of Anthony Hopkins, the like jovial, jolly man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and you can see that like joy mixed with sorrow, mixed with fear, mixed with guilt, like yeah. kind of all yeah. over her face. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And he's so good. Oh my he goodness, can we is. talk about him? Yes. There is um, a thought that I had like a few minutes into this film, uh, which is that casting Anthony Hopkins in this role is just so smart. Like no matter how um, irritable or agitated he is, he just by nature has such a sweet face and such a gentle face that you can't even you can't even be mad at him, you know. Like 
it just is automatic, like endearingness. Um, and also given the fact that he has, his career is so abundant and he's been in so many like iconic roles as well. Like it's just, it's almost like this meta um, meaning of seeing this actor that is so prolific and, and abundant and to see him like this in a film like this is there's a meta component for us as the viewers as well which I think is really interesting and it's just I at least for me like it's really fascinating to see him in a role like this like I'm pretty sure the first movie that I ever saw him in was Silence of the Lambs and so that just kind of always colored my perception of him that he mm-hmm. was just like a really really creepy guy um <laughs> and so I mean that's changed obviously over the years as I've seen <laughs> him in more things but it's just it's interesting to think about kind of the scope of his career and how many different roles he's played and what a phenomenal actor he is and we we see his immense skill in this film, which is kind of surprising because it's it's such a subtle film in a lot of yeah. ways, mm-hmm. you know. And but man, that last scene where he just completely morphs like multiple times in front of our eyes was absolutely spectacular. And like my eyes were glued to the screen. It his performance was phenomenal and it's I don't know like while while I was watching it's kind of like man there are a lot of good nominees for best actor this yeah, year I had the same thought and like, like I, I want to give it to him but we there's also so many others right and so like I, I still think that that Chadwick is deserving because yeah. his performance as Levy was absolutely stunning as well but it's just it's it's kind of crazy that Anthony Hopkins is nominated for best actor for this film and he's probably not going to get it. And his performance was this good. No, there's a lot of subtlety in um, his timing in delivering lines or responding to uh, the other actors and actresses around him that I think is also just like so nuanced and difficult to do well. Um, you know, the way, how long he pauses and how that communicates, whether he understood or didn't understand or remembered or didn't remember the thing that was said to him is tricky. And there's a lot of um, scenes where he is going on and on about something and then someone says something to him and he, he kind of like pauses and all of that like timing matters so much in a film like this and he does it so accurately it's it's quite it's really impressive Mm -hmm. and the fact that we know what those pauses mean yeah it's really interesting like we don't have to spend a lot of time with him but we know like oh he he doesn't know what this other character is talking about and he's just trying to play along as best he can like the fact Mm -hmm. that our brains as the audience can fill that in based on his pause is just mind-blowing to me yeah yeah it's so cool and I think it also speaks to like we as human beings um can pick up on all of those subtleties like we are social Mm -hmm. creatures by nature and all of those cues we we assign meaning to just kind of by default it's it's 
It's weird. We're weird creatures. <laughs> I also learned uh, that he's 83. Like, the man is 83. And he's he's doing the things. Like, he's just, he's doing a great job. Keep it up, geez. buddy. Proud of you. Uh, I read an article about um, kind of the, the behind the scenes of filming this experience. Um, and he mentioned in an interview, which I think was just like, you know, one of those things where like art is so powerful and incredible and meaningful. He mentioned in an interview that there were a few times where he felt overwhelmed during filming um, while playing this role, just the awareness that he had of his own mortality. Um, and I just thought that that was such an, uh, a powerful testament to the way that art is uh, powerful for us as, as receivers of it and viewers of it. But for those that also create it, it is like sometimes such an intensely and oftentimes intensely personal experience as well. Um, and that was really, really fascinating, really cool. Just like one of those moments where like the the things that we create have meaning on so many different levels for, for different people that are part of the process. Mm-hmm. And I feel like especially for something like this, like it's, it's about the subject that we don't talk about, mm-hmm. you know, like death is inevitable, but so many of our, our, our films, our TV shows are about people, you know, cheating death or avoiding death. And this is a movie very much about a man who is going to die. We don't know when. But his body is breaking down. And, oh, yeah, I believe that there was, you know, an emotional toll that that took. You know, confronting your own humanity like that is something that we just don't do as humans. Yeah. And so it, it's like the, the experience that he had while on set and filming this is, is kind of the same invitation to us as the viewers, which is to um, recognize our own mortality. This is reminding me a lot of our conversation on um, this, the film Soul, which also came out um, quite recently and, and about our mortality and what does that mean and how, do, how does that change the way that we choose to live and prioritize our life. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the ending shot, that final shot of this film and how you received it, um, what you think it meant, uh, and yeah, what were your thoughts? Did that did that ending work for you? The pan over to the window and to the leaves outside. Yeah, like sure, it was fine. <laughs> I I don't know. It was just it lasted for so much longer yeah. than I expected it to. I was like. Oh, pan over leaves. Okay, great. Movie over. And then like it just kept going. I was like, why are we staring at the tree? So then I was trying to like, okay, is there anything changing in the tree? So like I'm trying to inspect all the leaves. <laughs> I'm and, dead. Like I just, I don't, I, I'm not good at metaphors. I don't get it. But whatever. <laughs> I was still thinking about like Anthony Hopkins sobbing as like a little child. So I was still yeah. stuck on that. I didn't give a crap about the tree. That's so fair. it's it's yeah. fine. It was a pretty tree. That's great. <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm sure it had some like really like deep meaning and I just it went right over my head (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting because he says the line just a few seconds or a minute or so earlier I'm losing all my leaves Mm -hmm. with such emotion like that that line was a gut punch that and the I want my mommy line those two man they're just oof right in the gut um but the pan over the leaves I thought was interesting I I was like trying to figure out like what 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 does this mean the the purpose and uh, meaning that I've assigned to it whether or not it's it's accurate but my interpretation of it is um that there's like this this symbol of rebirth and he says I'm losing all my leaves and and he also you know becomes very childlike in that ending moment he's being held by this nurse in an incredibly tender and motherly way and it's such a like beautiful intimate moment um of just like human beings connecting and taking care of each other in the end that um was just like a, a really tender way to end this this film but the pan over to the tree and the leaves to me symbolized like rebirth and kind of this this cycle of life, uh, which is a very like physical way um, and natural way uh, interpretation of like what maybe this film's purpose and, and meaning is. But I think it's that commentary that the the process of death is is inevitable and it's natural. Um, same way that the the leaves and the trees. Um, the tree loses its leaves at the end of every cycle and every season and then are re- reborn again um, is is kind of the process too that like human generations have have consistently uh, followed and that you know it is it is natural um, so I don't know I, I I feel like that ending scene felt so intentional that I'm intrigued mm-hmm. how others interpret it and it's also just so open-ended that um, you can really ascribe anything you want to it. And I, the part of the length of that shot too, I think is just for us to sit with it and to like sit with that very emotional ending scene and process it. Yeah, I, I like your interpretation. I think it's great. I think we should go with that. <laughs> I, I'm just really pleased that we didn't have like a, we didn't have an apple on the tree and like a pieces of the you woman yes. <laughs> moment. This is true. This is very true. So it didn't seek to end on a happy, happy ending, but it just, it, it is what it is. And yeah, you know, exactly. we, we cherish what we can while we can. And you know, it is it's what inevitable. it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But I just thought it was so smart for them to include that line just moments before where Mm -hmm. he says, I'm losing all my leaves. It's just like a really beautiful little like um, call to each other. These two little signs and these two little um, visuals and and symbols that I just thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. And I think especially like after being, you know, in – the the flat in the room for so long like it's all like interior (laughs) shots you know to be able to go outside was just 
again, an, an interesting and deliberate creative choice. Mm-hmm. Very true. And especially because we spend a little bit of time in that ending like sequence in inside of the nursing home, which is incredibly sterile and white mm-hmm. and um, mechanical. And there's, there's like no sense of anything organic in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was this like catharsis as well in that sense. Yeah. Okay. What else do we want to talk about with this film? Can we also talk about um, Olivia Williams' performance? Mm -hmm. She was so great. And just her ability to, you know, shapeshift in every single role that she was in, but particularly there at the end, you know, like when she walks in as the nurse and you see her, you know, dispassionate distance from him just like as a form of her own like self-protection like I can't imagine doing that job that she has to do but then the minute that he breaks down you see her turn her empathy switch back on and is able to comfort him and the fact that Olivia Williams was able to give that much in such a small performance was incredible I was I was just as impressed with her as I was with the two leads of the film. And I I wish that she was getting more recognition for her role because she was phenomenal in this as well. That's so true. That's one that I haven't actually thought too much about because I was distracted by the Anthony Hopkins breakdown sequence, which just, you know, all of my cognitive attention um, was on that. But that's so true. There's so many... Um, tonal switches that happen even in just that last 10 minutes, five minutes. I don't even remember how long that scene is. It feels very short. Um, But there's a lot of tonal shifts that happen. Uh, She kind of comes in really just like your heart. She's there with an objective, which is to get him to take um, his medication and she's making his bed and like moving very quickly. And you're right. The minute he begins to break down, she slows down too. She stops to um, be there for him and to to support him and help process what he's going through with him. Uh, I just can't get out of my head either the visual of her holding him so tenderly in such a vulnerable moment for him. Like mm-hmm. that visual yeah. is incredible. And I just hope, I I don't know, like, it's it's a very optimistic view of um, the nursing home and senior citizen SIP system in general, I think. Um, there's a lot of great, incredibly kind and wonderful people that uh, work in those, those systems, but there's also a lot that um, isn't as beautiful and tender as well. So I think for a film that uh, really put us through a lot, it, it was it was great to see it end on a little bit of a, a sweeter note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we could have handled more. No, no, we <laughs> definitely couldn't have. Yeah. And it wouldn't have fit the, the tone of the rest of the film as well, which is like mm-hmm. a, a, for a lot of it celebrating and showcasing the sacrifice and dedication and love of um, Anne, his daughter. Like that's, I think a big theme of what we get to see through his lens, though he may not be 
fully aware of it all the time. I think there's just like an awareness of her, her sacrifice and her um, constant presence in his life. So while I was watching, I, I wanted to ask you about this because, so like I'm an only child and I know from like a pretty young age, probably younger than I should have been thinking about these things. Like I was very aware of the fact that like when my mom got older, like I would be responsible for taking care of her and I'm the only one. So it's all on me. And that's just been something like always in the back of my head is like, even like, professionally like I need to make sure that I always have savings and I always have this ability to take care of my mom you know in the future whenever that's needed and so like just seeing Anne go through all of these things I was just like oh man like this is really really weighty and I don't know if it's just like a weird only child thing that like to think such morbid thoughts of like I need to plan ahead for when my parents are old and I need to take care of them but yeah that was just what I was it it took me back to like my childhood basically when I was thinking about these things and like I need to have a plan so that I can care for my mom and we can clearly see that Olivia Coleman her character had a plan to take care of her dad and even though it didn't exactly work out the way that she wanted to uh she did the best that she could so I don't know. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, (laughs) I think especially seeing um, my mother go through losing her mother, I think it just Mm, like, you know, hits closer to home and kind of wakes you up that your parents aren't going to be around for for, forever. Um, They're like superheroes in our minds, but they too, one day, like we will go through the experience of losing them. so I'm like a little psychotic now and like take videos all the time of like us doing random Aww. little things because I want those memories and we didn't have as many of those of my grandmother just because, you know, we were just like living life together, but just kind of being more intentional about that. But I think what's also interesting about this film is it showcases so efficiently, like so, so efficiently the effects that Olivia Coleman's character um, – by by sacrificing and dedicating so much of her love for her father, it it affects her relationship with her husband. Well, I'm I guess I'm assuming it's his, her husband. Um, and you kind of see the strain on that relationship, um, and and it does so in such like small little moments. But it's enough to see the the hard decisions and kind of the the balancing game that Olivia Coleman's character is also playing between wanting to care for her father a hundred percent and give him the best and um, to, to not have to send him to a nursing home, but then also the way that it affects this other person that she loves, who also um, she wants to give her time and attention and, and um, all of that too. So the film does such an efficient job of doing that. It's actually so impressive. Uh, but I, I loved that they wove that complexity in as well. I tell my parents all the time now, like, I, I don't want to have to ever send you to our nursing home and whatnot. And they're always like, yeah, but by the time you have, you have a, if you have a family or whatnot, like that's going to be a lot for you to juggle. And the fact of the matter, it is like, that is, that is very true. Um, I think a lot of 
people have had to make that hard decision um, in their life. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet this really resonates with them when they see a film like this that really explores a lot of that difficulty in making that decision um, with such with such fullness. Mm-hmm. And you you can see where all of the characters are coming from too. Like even when Paul is being just kind of a tool. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> like I, it was one of those like, yeah, you're being a jerk, but also like we get it, you know. Yeah. So it's it's having empathy for multiple characters who are seemingly at odds with each other which is not something that a lot of films would be able to do. Yeah. And I think what is also really interesting is that it's Paul who says to Anthony in, or Anthony's, yeah, Anthony's character. um, It's funny. His name's actually Anthony also in the movie. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When Paul says to Anthony in his hallucination, like how long are you going to be sticking around for? Because, you know, my parents have voiced similar things. Like there's, there's the additional burden of, of living with not just your, your daughter or your son, but um, your in-laws as well. And that's a relationship that's, um, you know, like one step removed when it comes to um, the directness of, of the, the, the love relationship that's there. Like, and, and that, um, complexity and like family dynamics I think was really interesting that the film explored that in this way and had Paul be the one um that is like the physical manifestation of a lot of Anthony's like fear and guilt and anxiety about you know like burdening his daughter hmm yeah yeah that is really interesting like it, it, he, it wasn't Anne that he hallucinated that about that had that felt that way about him. It was um, his son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, film having all kinds of little little details in yeah. there for us to think about. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I mean. I don't think I realized until experiencing this an hour and 37 minutes. Um, and perhaps that's just like a gap in my previous knowledge about the experience of dementia for the person that is, that is um, going through it is just how much um, fear and anxiety that that actually causes for the person um, who has dementia. I think and perhaps this is because a lot of films tend to cover this topic from the perspective of the other people that are taking care of the person. Um, But I think this film does a a really interesting job of conveying how much that sense of anxiety and paranoia is constant and is unrelenting. And there's kind of no way of escaping that once you begin to spiral into it. I had thought about, you know, memory loss and Alzheimer's more in the perspective of it's just hard for you to remember things and um but you you kind of like live your day or you live your moment, you forget the ones um you know like 
three hours earlier or 30 minutes earlier or four days ago. Um, but actually the way that it seems that it affects your sense of time and understanding time um, is one that I, I, I wasn't aware of before watching this film. And that was really illuminating for me because a lot of the um, kind of scary parts of this experience for Anthony's character is how much time seems to just feel like it was just five minutes ago, but actually has been several days or months later. And I hadn't, I think, fully recognized that that was part of the experience for the person going through dementia. So that in and of itself was incredibly illuminating for me. And what an ambitious goal, you know, to let's make a movie so that we can see through the eyes of a man battling dementia. Like that that's not something that that somebody can just sit down with you and say like this is how I'm experiencing this disease. Yeah. You yeah. know, like mm-hmm. it it never would occur to me to to try and document that. But <laughs> I mean, cuz like how are yeah. you going to get something that's realistic? Yeah. But somehow they they were really able to and I've read some reviews of people who's whose parents or or in-laws have dementia and they're like yeah like this this feels like you know what we see from this person that we love and I was just like wow that mm-hmm. it's just incredible to me that they were able to document this disease in this way I I'm not sure how they were able to piece it all together but they they did and movies are usually notorious for misrepresenting yeah. uh, health conditions or disabilities. You know, like it's it's hard it's hard to do, um, and it it's jarring when it's not done well. And you're right. I don't know. I don't know what the process was in uh, figuring out all of those details to to make this feel authentic. That'd be interesting. We have some more research to do. <laughs> I wonder if, I mean, I I remember reading briefly that um, Florian Zeller, who wrote the play and and, uh, this film as well, his grandmother um, experienced dementia when he was younger. So I don't know if maybe that also, he's able to weave in some of his personal experience um, with some of that like emotion and and tonal shifts that happen in this movie. Mm, probably it's it's amazing how our our personal stories and our own experiences really do make for the best movies Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a common theme that we see all often and for some reason especially in the films uh that we've been watching recently that are Oscar nominated a lot of them are Mm -hmm. very close to home for the creators yeah and I I think that's what makes this Oscar year so difficult. Oh, is there? Oh, that too. <laughs> all so good. You know, I, I know. want everybody to win. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wonder though, like, what is next year's Oscars going to be like? Because we've had so many like heartfelt, diverse, personal stories oh, this yeah. year. Like, is next year just going to be like back to the normal crap that we're that we're stuck with the other years I hope not it is going to be fascinating to see how what trend this this starts or doesn't start oh I hope it starts a trend I hope I hope yeah (laughs) 
We're just getting spoiled this year. We are. It's yeah. amazing. So one of the interesting um, things I learned about after experiencing the film was that this was based on a play originally. And I was just thinking about like, what does this look like as a play? Um, because the film plays a lot with those physical details of the production design and the set and whatnot. And you can't do that in a play. So perhaps it just was so more, so much more focused on the characters and, and the acting. Um, so I don't know, but that was an interesting thought exercise of like, how does the medium that the story is being told in change what we emphasize or are able to focus on just by the limitations or the abilities that the medium allow us to to have so mm-hmm. and what I thought was so strategic in the film though was that it was the same flat the entire time but it would just get mm-hmm. a different set dressing and so like I could almost see how they could do that in a play like you have the same set but different things just change every once in a while and so like I could Uh, start to piece it together because it it was the same location the whole time but yeah I I really would love to see this as a play now (laughs) like is this is this I mean all the theaters are still shut down because of COVID but (laughs) when when they come back to life can uh can we see this somewhere? That'd be great. That would be really cool. Yeah. And even in the film, the the layout of um, his room in the nursing home and mm-hmm. the hallway, that was like so aligned to the structure of the flat. And, you know, like all those little details were, you know, the little things, the mm-hmm. little, little things. Yep. Yep. The floor was the same everywhere it just had like a different rug or it was a different paint color you know so it was just those those little things I got so excited like I don't know it was early on in the film when I realized oh my gosh it's the same flat this is amazing and so like the whole time I was just like looking for okay what changed in here and sometimes it would be like a door color changed or like you know things moved around I was like this is incredible Mm -hmm. so I just I felt like I was like doing one of like the spot the difference games that you would have in like highlights for kids when you were little that's what I felt like I was watching and it was just I was so pleased yeah and see I found that exhausting so I related <laughs> to Anthony Hopkins character I'm just like, I can't keep track anymore like and I know yeah. my reaction was not the intended response but <laughs> You're I like, was Ooh, a challenge yeah challenge I was so accepted. interested gosh anytime something would change it's like oh something changed what does this mean I'm just trying to make sense of it all which you can't do but Mm -hmm. it was nice to try yeah and the the size of differences varied throughout which is really cool like Mm -hmm. there's some scenes where there's a very noticeable difference and there's others where it would be very small or much more subtle um and that played that played really nicely because it really kept us on our toes. We never knew. Yeah. Keep looking. Yep. Yeah, you sure did. Had to pay attention with this one. Yeah. Man. Okay. Any other last thoughts about the father? Okay, so my my crazy theory 
mm-hmm. while watching. Uh, which, after after the film was over and I've thought about it, doesn't make a lot of sense. But it was I what I was thinking. What you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> so so my theory was that Olivia Coleman's character wasn't Anne; she was actually Lucy, and that's what I was just wondering the whole time, because. There, there were moments when Anthony would call her Anne and then another person in the room would look oh. at her confused and she would just have to like nod at them or they would say like, oh, your daughter. And very rarely it was Paul uh, who called her Anne. He was the only other co- character that called her Anne. Everybody mm. else referred to her as your daughter. And so that was just, it's such a strategic <gasps> wording choice. That's it, cool. Yeah. And okay, like, yeah. it was almost like every time he called her Anne, like Olivia Coleman would have this like really pained look on her face <gasps> that I just couldn't figure out. And I was like, oh, are you Lucy? And so I, I don't know. We'll never know. But that was my thought while watching the movie was oh that she God. is Lucy and not Anne. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The the theory that also doesn't make sense that crossed my mind for about 0.5 seconds <laughs> was that this whole movie was actually just like a series of days or a single day in the nursing home and he's hallucinating all of it. Oh. And when he's calling Anne, he's actually calling the nurse and the nurse is like Anne, essentially. But oh, yeah, that makes less sense and also like doesn't serve that much purpose yeah. like it makes more sense for this to be a series of like many memories and vignettes that he remembers mm-hmm. yeah just all swirling together in this yeah. interesting concoction yeah yeah oh, <laughs> i need to rewatch the movie now but that is um such a painful experience mm-hmm. um that i know people in my life that have parents or grandparents that um have experienced Alzheimer's or dementia for them to call them a different name or um, to, you know, like some of them think that their grandson is their son and like all of that is, that's part of like what feels incredibly painful about this experience for those that are caring for their loved ones. So that would be, Mm -hmm. that would make a lot of sense and also be really powerful. I need to rewatch this movie through that lens and find all this, all the details to support it. This is yeah, and like especially like he was always like talking up Lucy, and he loved Lucy so so much, and he would talk down to Anne and treat yeah. Anne like crap. And so like if Olivia Coleman's character wasn't Anne, but she was actually Lucy, but she couldn't tell her dad, "I'm actually Lucy." And she had to play Anne. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But that's just, that was my theory while watching. Interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, does this also work, like, because he sees different men um, that come, like, it's Paul and then it's Bill. Like, is that, I don't know. Let me think about this more. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to find all the all the ways to support this theory. <laughs> I think probably the biggest support of it is when she calls him little daddy. That yeah. would be the biggest support. Oh for yeah, I forgot it, I about think. that. I forgot about that. You're right. But I don't know. I haven't done any research to see if that's actually what it is, 
but that was that was what I was thinking the entire There's time. There's too many details to keep track of. I forgot. I forgot <laughs> little daddy. That's so true. I remember thinking in the moment, like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And my brain was going, oh, she's Lucy. Your brain was like, support, I want supporting evidence. <laughs> oh. So I don't I need know. to find the Reddit thread on this. <laughs> Watch it again. Let me know what you think. But. That's just my my crazy theory. <laughs> I was thinking so much about the movie. I'm thinking of ending things while watching this movie. Mm, yeah. That same level of just like, what is going on? Where <laughs> am I? All of these details are changing. I, I'm swirling around in this mess of details, but I'm also – I need answers. So um, they both – both films are so effective at – making us feel so unsettled and that feeling of like something is off was so present throughout both of those movies. They, they use a similar technique in a lot of ways. So lots of parallels there. But that, uh, I guess everything else about the movie's tone and the, the, yeah. <laughs> the topic, although you could argue that the topics are, mm-hmm. you know, in conversation with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that the father just worked a lot better for you and you had oh, a better yes. experience with the father than you did with I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> I mean, there's no animated pig at no, the end of not. the father. Nor there's is there a the dance weave. scene. No, no dance scene with feathers. <laughs> was it feathers or like or it like was, cotton? Oh no, it was it ribbon. Was ribbon. It was like ribbon. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> Something ridiculous. <laughs> oh uh, yeah oh man all right well shall we wrap up sure let's do it okay well this is our review and discussion of the film the father you can find it available on various streaming platforms available to rent thank you for listening to this week's episode of the strategic whimsy experiment this podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and it's something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about The Father. You can connect with us on Instagram at strategic whimsy experiment on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back very soon to discuss the film The White Tiger. It is the last film that we are going to be discussing before we talk about all of our Oscar predictions, the the awards we want to win uh, for the various films that we've gotten to watch over the past couple of weeks. So That'll be fun. The Oscars are upon us. And I'm already stressing out about our Oscar prediction. I'm already stressing out. Like, oh my gosh, I want everybody to win. I'm just thinking about how long our episode is going to be. Oh gosh, it's going to be. We have so many categories to go through. Oh, it's going to be fun though. I know. The the process of picking is going to be difficult. (laughs) Yeah. It, mm mm-hmm. There are some categories, too, that are just, like, everything was so well done within this category. How can we, how can we pick one? 
Can we, I, I would like to once again make a motion for participation trophies. <laughs> Do I only have to pick one per category? <laughs> We're gonna have to, you're gonna have to make a decision and it'll be great. Okay. All right. Ain't nobody be keeping their participation awards <laughs> on their bookshelf by the time they're in high school, you know? But you maybe keep your like, oh, here's where I won first place award. <laughs> All right, so. all right. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Yeah. These will be some good predictions. But I do wish you could rank films. Ooh. Like, that would be a way to say, like, we really appreciated your film. You didn't win number one, but you know you were number two. Or you were number three, you know? Like, I mean, yeah, second place is just first loser, but that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we don't make the rules. We just we just follow them and <laughs> pretend that we have the power to give awards, which yes. we don't. But, but it'll be so fun. It's fun. Yeah, we get to create our alternate reality. And in some rare cases, like last year, our alternate reality yep. became reality. Oh, it's great. And I mean, this yeah. year, all the Best Picture nominees are pretty great. So yeah, it'll be a I win know. regardless of who actually wins. It's so true. There usually is one in there where you're like, oh, mm -hmm. not this year. Yeah, that'll be a fun episode. I'm excited for us to pick up, pick apart all the categories together. Mm -hmm. That'll be a good time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I hope you all have an amazing week and we will see you very soon. 